Hello, this is Dr. Gene Mesco, a mostly hairless ape, coming to you from the Church of Science. This is uh, season one, episode six, I believe. Trying to keep track of things. Uh, today I wanted to talk about sports. Sports. It's the week before the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 58, if you're an NFL fan. Chiefs and the Niners are going to go at it on Sunday. But I was going to discuss sports as an exemplar, as something to look at relative to this whole model of everything evolving that I like to talk about. Everything does evolve, and social evolution, if it occurs, if I'm right about anything, as along with a bunch of other people, then social evolution is something that happens with some similarities to natural evolution, the biological evolution. Evolution is the change in living systems and we've worked out natural science and natural selection for a long time, but I like to talk about artificial selection, what humans do. And there's a lot of information out there. But if artificial selection is a real thing, if humans thinking about stuff can do stuff, can alter life, which I think happens, how does it work? And for me, it works with major adaptations. And I think I've talked about it before. We have three major adaptations our belief systems, our governments, and our economies. And sports gives us an example of several of those. We believe in our team. We think about our teams. We all belong to different teams in our different societies, but professional teams are our own thing, or even college teams or local little league teams. Whatever team you follow, sports is an interesting angle because sports gives us the ability to look at stuff from a professional perspective. So when you go to a sporting event, it is a little like going to church. And it's not the church of science, but it's the sort church of whichever team you like. I have my own allegiances. Growing up in Jersey, in New Jersey, I followed a lot of New York teams, went off to college, followed those teams. And they each give us something to think about, something to follow, something to cheer for. And what's, what's so great about it? To me, as a sports fan, just a generic sports fan, I think sports are a really engaging process because you see humans performing at their best. Whether it's individual sports or team sports, humans have been practicing and working at something and they're trying to find the best way to win a game, which seems silly, but games are actually pretty civilized. Games make, games are all depend on rules. Any given game has a set of rules. Rules are ideas. Rules are government. That's one of the major adaptations that we use. Right? And then the other one is the economy. Another one is the economy because the economy is how we deal with the natural world. And that's where sports is also beautiful because sports tests our biological and intellectual limits. The whole thing with sports at the highest level, going to the Olympics, going to the Super Bowl, going to the World Series, going to whichever championship you want to talk about, at whatever level, it's people pushing themselves after practicing, after building up efforts, after training and working really hard to achieve a given goal. And most sporting events work on an annual cycle. The Olympics are a four-year cycle. But we have these events that are correlated with our biology. I mean, obviously, we live in the world and we revolve around the sun, so annual events make sense. Every season, we get up as a fan, 
And as they say with spring training rapidly approaching, hope springs eternal. Uh, you know, it's a new season. There's new grass on the field. Thank you, Mr. Fogarty. <laughs> uh, and as we go through this life and look at sports, we, it gives us happiness. But it does. Why? Because it's people doing their best. Now, obviously, there's other implications here. What causes the best? Obviously, money's involved at the professional level. That's how we sort out our economy, our major economic adaptation right now in America, where I am in the United States of America in 2024. Capitalism is our major variant of economy. Then you might look at capitalism and economy as our economy and say, wow, it's really amazing that individual athletes can make tens of millions of dollars. And, and well, but that's what the market will bear. That's, you know, whatever capitalism is, is its own adaptation with its a type of economy. And the economy is how organisms deal with the natural world. How do we distribute resources? That's all an economy is. Who gets stuff? And how much stuff? And when do you get it? And where do you have it? And how much of it can you store? How much extra can you take? That's all questions for the economy. And that varies. And right now, we've got capitalism. And what are the rules we play by? Well, different sports have different rules. That's, there's a rules committee in the NFL. We'll use that as our model right now. And within the NFL, there's a rules committee that meets every year. Uh, one of the things that came up this season was the tush-push. Now, what kind of running play can you run and how much support can a player give to their teammates? That's part of this marvelous game that we enjoy, that so many people enjoy. Uh, with the upcoming Super Bowl, and given the current social standing, there's, I've heard, <laughs> somebody told me the other day, I read an article about it, people are saying, oh, the game is fixed. There's all this controversy about who's dating who, and who's seeing who, and who's a fan of which team, and that the Super Bowl's fixed. And I thought, well, let me look up the numbers. So, for the NFL, minimum wage, for the, for the worst rookie on the team, He's making $750,000 a year. That's minimum wage in the NFL. Now, the average person over the course of a, their adult life, on average, barely makes $2 million. So if an NFL player, if you get, an, you get it to the NFL and you do the average three-year career, which is about the average career of an NFL player, you've made $2 million at bare minimum. You have enough money to be comfortable the rest of your life. That's a pretty amazing economic model. How cool would it be to work really hard to some point in your 20s and earn enough money to live out the rest of your life comfortably? Because what could you do with $2 million? You could buy a house. You could set up an investment fund, earn enough interest. Let's just say you spent a million dollars on a house. <laughs> not necessarily a million dollars, but shoot, that's a lot of money. But you could buy a million dollar house, leave one million dollars, even if you only got 5% return. If you got 5% return on that, that'd give you $50,000 a year. But you wouldn't have a mortgage. And you know, maybe you'd buy it for $950,000 so you can buy yourself a nice car. And that other million dollars giving you a minimum 5% return would give you $50,000 a year of income. $50,000 is the average income for a family of four. And you've got it right there. 
and you've got $50,000 coming in every year for the rest of your life. And that's if you did nothing. That's just if you sat on the couch and ate Doritos and did nothing else in your life. That's a pretty amazing economic model. That I wouldn't mind doing that. Most of us hit our 20s and we're just getting started in a career. And we have to work and slave and grind and make our 50 grand on average or whatever it is. It's obviously, if it's the average, there's a bunch of people make it less. There's a lot of people making more. And, and, but that's, but that's the idea of the economy. That's what I want to explore. If this is a social adaptation and the economy's one, why is sports such a great model? Because if you were to achieve the pinnacle, just the bit, you get to the top level of some segment of the economy, you could earn enough to be set for life. That's a pretty gorgeous thing. Wouldn't it be a wonderful world if you could set yourself up by the time you hit 30, you know, somewhere in your 20s, you earned enough money to do whatever you wanted? Because that's what it boils down to. If I got that $2 million baseline salary for three years in the NFL, I wouldn't have to work another day in my life. Yeah, you'd be limited. You'd have the average income. You'd only be able to take one or two vacations a year. But you consider that's if you spent a million dollars on home. Obviously, there's lots of different ways you could allocate your resources and do that. But that's the point. Wow, professional sports. What a neat idea. And that's that's the key here. Because I like to talk about evolution and social evolution. And what if we used as a model... This idea of professional sports, and, and even drop the sports, just professional. What if you could become a professional something and earn enough money to be comfortable? That's the real trick. Because what does it take to be a professional? Obviously, those athletes start out young. I mean, the Beth athletes have been playing since they were kids. You know, in the case of uh, the Kansas City quarterback this year for the Super Bowl, a gentleman named Patrick Mahomes. He's, you know, his dad was a major league baseball player, so he obviously inherited a nice genetic inheritance. If his dad was a professional athlete, I don't know about his mom. I'm not a big Holmes fan, but I do respect his skills. I'm pulling for the Niners on Sunday for the record. <laughs> uh, used to live out that way and enjoy the Niners, yeah. And I'm always usually cheering for the underdog. That's the nature of the beast. Whatever my emotional baggage is, I usually cheer for the underdog. And so the underdog in life is, it's fun to pull for the underdog. It's fun to see an upset because that's the thing about professional, that's the thing about sports. It's a competition and life's a competition. And there's two main, two main ways things interact in life. They either compete or they cooperate. And that's the really cool thing about team sports, I think. Within your team and your fan base and your whole social system that has that part of the that's part of, a, of it, whatever team you root for. That's your big social team. And everybody on your team is pulling for the same thing, hopefully. And everybody against you is anti-you, is against you. You're competing and, and cooperating with different sets of people. And that's life. And it's nice to be part of the winning team. And then life's horrible when you lose. I mean, any fan can tell you that. Especially if it's a close game or if the refs take it from you or whatever going on. But... Hopefully it'll be a good game on Sunday, and we'll see it. And then spring training will start. We'll get into the baseball season. Basketball playoffs will come. We'll get March Madness with college basketball. Uh, all sorts of fun things out there with sports. But then again, why would that be a good model? 
Well, think about it. Think if we organized our society. We said there should be there should be cooperation and competition along the way, and we should all compete to be the best, because that's what that's what professional sports is. We set up a cycle, and every year, within a given league or you know, whatever organization association uh, of teams that there are out there, we have these competitions, and you play your games, and you practice, and you go out and you compete. And you win or lose, and you somebody wins. There's always the there's somebody's gonna win the championship. That's a gorgeous thing. There's always one winner, and there's a bunch of people who lose. But that's you know if you're making two million dollars a year, it's not too hard to take. And that's the deal with with professional sports. It's a nice way to run the economy for those people. But obviously, most of us aren't gonna be professional athletes. But what if we were professional somethings? Professional is the part I want to focus on, more so than sports. Sports is a great example of having professionals make a lot of money and be rewarded for their efforts and be really good at what they do. And you might think about sports and say, wow, they make way too much money. I mean, the top athletes in major league sports in in America right now and in Europe make literally tens of millions of dollars a year. And you might think that's a little excessive, but the bottom guys are making at least a couple million. And that's a really great thing in the sense that they're sacrificing their bodies. If you're an NFL player, you're risking literally serious injury. You might end up you know, with a coma. You, know, you might end up with dementia because your head's been banged around too much. So you might want to try a, a less uh, physically interactive sport, um, unless one that doesn't beat up your body as much. But whatever it might be. I think most of us have entertained the fantasy at one time or another of being a professional whatever, the professional athlete, and you didn't have the skills or the training or the access to resources, whatever it might have been. And we all chose other paths, or everybody but those top athletes. But the people who got there have been working at it pretty much their whole life and kept their eye on the prize. And that makes sense when you think about the reward, the payoff, because that's the essence of life, the cost-benefit analysis we all do at different levels. And our parents try to give us resources, we all try to grow up, and that's the only thing any parent could hope for, is that your children do well. They actually do better than you, hopefully. <laughs> Anybody who's absolutely happy, is, you know, they're living by themselves, so they're living their dream, and they're not bothering anybody because they're content. Anybody, The rest of us are griping about stuff. So we go on the internet and talk about stuff and and gripe and bitch and say, oh, what's the problem here? And that's what I'm doing, obviously. But I'm pretty content. I'm older. I had a long career as a biologist, a teacher primarily. I did some research along the way. Uh, Never made it as a professional athlete. Did play some sports way back in high school. (laughs) Never was good enough. Maybe I would have been. I don't know. Fullback. I think I would have been a fullback. Maybe a tight end. Uh, probably not big enough to compete at the NFL at that level. Uh, but anyway, point being, back to professionalism as a way of organizing society. Because that's the, the game that we all play. The economy is how we interact with the, envir- with the environment. As living organisms, we have to make a living. We have to get resources, got to get food and shelter and clothing. And that's the economy. It determines how that all gets distributed. 
And like I said, our economy is capitalism right now. That's the major one. And that's where I think we are evolutionarily. We've got an economy that says, do things this way. Compete for things and you'll get rewarded. You know, do, do the work, get paid. And you can own stuff. That's capitalism. And what's the other ways we organize society? Other ways we organize society are governments and belief systems. Uh, belief systems we've talked about before as uh, we've got a lot of religions out there. And I, and I like to think about science as a belief system. And that I accept that there's natural laws about how things work. And if we can figure those out, we can manipulate the natural world. And that's what science, that's what the Church of Science does. It says uh, we're trying to figure out how the universe works at the Church of Science. And we grind away at that every day if you're a scientist. And if you're a professional scientist, you get paid for it. That's what professional scientists do. Teachers get paid to disseminate that information because we can all use that information uh, to help compete better, to help cooperate better. And how do we organize our social interactions? Well, that's government. Governments are the rules we all operate by. If you're playing in the NFL, you're operating by a set of rules that's set by the league. And the league is controlled by the owners. And so there's bosses in life. There's bosses in the NFL, and they're the team owners. Because capitalism is the dominant economic system, and it says we have ownership. The NFL started back in the 1920s, I believe. And it said hey, we're going to have these games and let people watch. And we're going to get them to pay for us. <laughs> and they pay. And audiences come in and they pay. And it's evolved into this multi-billion dollar industry with a global reach. Uh, there's games. The NFL is expanding into Europe. So it's going to be the, I don't know if it's going to be the International Football League at some point. We have football in Europe, too. They have soccer. That's big in other parts of the world. In America, it's American football. Uh, but point being, this whole professional model is a really neat way, other than that ownership thing. And that ownership thing was challenged, because it used to be, way back until through the 1960s, that if you signed with a major league team, a professional team in the U.S., you were owned by that team. There was that ownership idea. Capitalism dominated the process. It was an economic activity. And whoever organized the teams, whoever was the original owners, those people have kept possession. They own those franchises. And they've been given a certain status by our government. Our elected representatives have voted to exempt the NFL and Major League Baseball and other major sports from rules that we use in other parts of the economy. So this is a very special form of the economy with sports that says you can be a monopoly. You can be the only Major League with that plays American football or basketball or baseball, whatever it is, all those major sports have basically have exemptions from the U.S. government that say you don't have to follow the same rules about competition. You guys could do other things. And for a long time, that included saying if you signed with a team, you had no other right. You couldn't sign with any other team. You couldn't just up and leave. Now, since the 1970s, Players took them to court and said, wait a minute, I shouldn't have to belong to this team. I should have an option to go somewhere else and work, just like I do in any other field. And that was the idea of free agency, that independent individuals could sell their skills and talent to the highest bidder. And people went, you know what, that's right, that should be, because that's what our government is based on. Our government is based on democracy. 
And democracy says every competent adult gets to make their own decisions. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that's where we are right now. We're at an interesting crossroads in terms of the history of life on Earth. And here in the U.S., it plays out across the planet. The two dominant social adaptations that we use for governments, most people say they prefer democracy. And they also say they prefer capitalism. And that creates an interesting dilemma. Because when you have ways to do things, you're always asking the question, which is the best way to do things? Is there a better way to do this? And in our society, we try to balance economics and government. And that boils down in the U.S. and other places around the planet into democracy versus capitalism right now. And I think that's where we are in terms of an evolutionary node. If you're familiar with family trees, what a biologist would call a phylogeny, and within that phylogeny, you did branches, just like you have branches of the family, sometimes the family fragments, and you get other things. The NFL has spawned a whole new thing in the spring. There's spring football now. There's the U whatever the UFL is, or the USFL, and the XFL, and those things. And they're allowing some other competition, and obviously there's college competition. And, you know, there's, so there's different uh, levels of football. But at the top level, the professional level, it's still dominated by capitalism in the sense that people, that, that players are drafted out of college and they are locked into that team. And that's a residual aspect of capitalism that stretches back for over a century to the early days of professional sports when a team would sign that. And the owners, and this is a fun word that came up legally along the way, colluded, there was collusion to say, all right, you sign Joe, I'm not going to sign Joe. I won't even talk to Joe, and I won't make Joe an offer. Uh, but that changed in the 1970s as capitalism took over as a dominant social force. And, 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 and was, but until democracy reared its head. That's what happened in the 70s. Democracy came up and said, hey, wait a minute. We can be free agents. And so they've worked out agreements, and now they have collective bargaining agreements with these between the players' associations, the players have unionized, and they get together and they say, all right, you could draft us out of college and we'll play for a team for five years or whatever, and after five years, I can, then I can be a free agent. Well, yeah, and we have these different rules, which works for the owners, because the average player only lasts three years. So they pay them a minimum wage, there's enough surplus wealth in the NFL to pay a guy for three years on average, $2 million, and, and from the personal perspective, if you get to that level, you win. You've made a lifetime of earnings in your 20s, and you're good to go. You can do whatever you want in that. So that's, that's it's, it's, people are content in the NFL. I mean, if, I'm, if I get to the NFL, I get to compete at the highest level, playing a game. I get to earn enough money that literally could last my lifetime. And... If I'm really good, I could you know, possibly hang around longer and make more money. But at the very least, to get to that level, that's a goal. And that should be, that's a, that's a reasonable economic goal. It would be a really gorgeous thing if we all had the option to work really hard at something and achieve wealth that was life-lasting by the time we were 30 years old. That would be a really great thing. And obviously that doesn't happen for everybody.
And that's evolution at work. Evolution says, well, what are we selecting for? In biology, you select for survival and reproduction. Uh, do I just keep the species alive? That's natural selection. That's Charles Darwin, all that fun stuff. And that's what, as a biology teacher, that's what I would teach in biology class. But I'm here to talk about social evolution. And I think, like I said, the social evolution is reduced to three main adaptations, belief systems, governments, and economies. And football now is my exemplar in professional sports to say, there's a, there's a system we can examine. So what happens? We've had democracy in terms of the players' union and free agency. We have capitalism in terms of ownership. And that's the main conflict. And I think that's a microcosm. That's a small world example of the bigger picture challenge that we all face globally right now. I think we're having this evolutionary moment which is lasting years and years because that's how evolution works. We have you know, average 80-year lifespans, max lifespans for humans of 120 years. So things change pretty slowly relative to society and to biology. Biology changes usually pretty slowly relative to society because society is based on ideas. That's artificial selection. Artificial selection says, what are the ideas? What's, how should we structure the economy? Well, we're going to have capitalism. We're going to have ownership of property, and we're going to have markets where we trade goods and services. And we're, that's dollars. It might be other systems, whatever, other media you're going to exchange for, but that's how capitalism works. And we have governments, and we say there's democracy. Everybody who's a competent adult gets to vote on things. And... We have a representative democracy here in the United States, so we get representatives who go off to Washington and state houses and make rules about how we should organize things. But they get influenced by economics as well because there's money involved there. And we're not going to go down that, down that rabbit hole right now. But we all know that there are different mechanics there. And some people, <laughs> to go back to the NFL, have, have speculated the NFL is rigged. And I, I would say it's not rigged just purely because it's too good of a deal for the players. It'd be hard to buy a player. Uh, back in 1919 in baseball, we had the Chicago Black Sox. And the Black Sox were uh, banned from baseball because they were accused and convicted of taking money uh, to throw the World Series in 1919. And that was a big scandal, and that's why gambling is such a big thing. But, but gambling makes too much money, so that's why gambling is coming around again to professional sports. But the way to to tell people that sports aren't rigged, that they are genuine competitions, is to pay the players really well, and even the referees. NFL referee makes two hundred grand a year. The minimum, I think minimum wage is down near 150 but the average referee makes two, and that's a part-time gig. Uh, for those guys, too, they train and they go through, but they only play during the season, obviously. And they only do it on weekends for the NFL. So a lot of those people are professionals in other fields, and they make money doing other stuff. But as an NFL referee, they make a very nice living. And they can, they're not nearly risking in injury like others. So they can hang around for 20 years and make millions of dollars being an NFL referee. So I would think that's a pretty good deal, making way above the average. And they wouldn't be prone to taking bets to throw a game. Uh, we've all been upset as fans by a call by the referee. We don't want the zebras making the decisions in a game. And I, I think for the most part, you might disagree with me, but I think the NFL, as far as the gameplay, it's a fairly legit competition. 
and there's human error involved and, and but it's mostly settled by the skills and talents and strategies of the relevant teams. And that's like I said, maybe that's how we should structure society. Maybe we should have professionals at every level. What would we what would society be like if at every level of organization we had professionals? And that's what I'm gonna talk about next time.